Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, hope you're all well. Um, and as the more observant of you will all notice that at the moment, it's just me. Um, right now, we're recording on a Sunday night. Uh, don't worry, it's not just me. We've got a fantastic guest that we're going to be bringing in in one minute. Uh, unfortunately, Mark isn't available uh, to film as he's been away um, in Munich this weekend and enjoying himself. So... Just me, and then we will bring in our guests. So uh, hope you're all well. This is a pre-recorded video uh, as we're doing it on a Sunday evening. But again, it's been another fantastic weekend of Bundesliga action. So it's time to crack on with the show. Uh, of course, as always, you know that we are in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes, and fantastic company that we work with and have done a giveaway with recently as well, who provide mystery, authentic German football T-shirts. Um, and they've been really busy recently. Obviously, as, as there's a bit of a Christmas rush going on, so make sure that you uh, check them out on Twitter or go onto the website and see if you can get yourself a last few few minute Christmas presents, either for yourself or for someone else. Um, and of course, please do smash a like, uh, hit you know, hit the subscribe button below. Make sure you don't miss out on any further over the bar content that we've got going on, and, and drop us a comment. Let you know, uh, let us know what you think of this particular episode uh, and, and all the topics that we're going to be going through. Um, so, uh, we'll just quickly run through the scores before we bring in our fantastic guest. So, just looking at it briefly, loads and loads of goals this weekend and entertainment. Started off on uh, Friday night, Stuttgart beating Mainz 2-1. Saturday afternoon, games with Wolfsburg 1, Dortmund 3. Hertha 1-1 Valsburg, a 4-1 win for Köln over Gladbach. Bolkum getting an important 2-1 win over Freiburg. Furtz losing... 6-3, amazingly to Hoffenheim. Bayern getting an important 1-0 win over Bielefeld on Sunday. Uh, brought us a, another important win for Frankfurt as they continue to turn their season around over Union Berlin. And finishing off with RB Leipzig losing again at home this time to Leverkusen. So their up and down season continues. Um, so there are the scores on the doors. Let's make sure that we crack on with, um, with the show. So we're going to bring in our fantastic guest uh, right now, which is Travis of the Stuttgart um, fan club, basically. So let's bring him right now. Good evening, Travis. How are you? Welcome to Great. the show. Thank you all so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Absolutely brilliant stuff. So we've obviously been trying to arrange this for for a little while now, and we're just to try and get you on. Um, and so obviously. Travis, you're you're from across the pond. Uh, well, to me, that is uh, in terms of myself living in England. Um, do you want to just tell tell the viewers quickly a little bit about where where you're based and uh, obviously the team that you support, which obviously I slightly introduced. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, we're based in Cleveland, Ohio, so in the Midwest, uh, in the United States, right between New York and Chicago, basically. If you know where those places are at on the map, um, and we. Our, we run a Valpy Stuttgart fan podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, we just every week we chat about what we know about the club, which we admit isn't too much being uh, this far across across the pond, as you say. But um, there's a few of us out here, and the Bundesliga is growing in support. There's probably five or six different podcasts uh, for Bremen, Schalke, Eintracht, uh, um, Leverkusen, and uh, mm-hmm. Stuttgart. So we're trying to get into that a little bit, and. Um, we had a 
a lot of good things to talk about this week for a, <laughs> for a change. So that was we nice. Do. Yeah, absolutely. As myself, as a, I call myself a Stuttgart sympathizer, but you know, I'm I'm a fan basically. I, I try to remain unbiased, but you know, they're my team in terms of the Bundesliga, so I, I was thrilled, thrilled with the win. Um, but of course, you know, we do our featured four without giving things away too much. Stuttgart will feature at some point, so let's crack <laughs> on with our featured four. So OTB's featured four. Uh, th- this was an incredibly hard top four to pick this week. Goals everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bundesliga just produces constantly. Um, I-, I mean, I think there was only one game with one goal in it, um, and that was the Champions Bayern. So goals galore. Let's see where we start off. And, and in fourth place, um, as we speak right now, it, it was the Wolfsburg uh, one, Dortmund three results. So obviously, mm-hmm. uh, really important win for for Dortmund in terms of keeping up. The pressure on Bayern, obviously, they played a couple of hours before the champions and uh, and were down early on. Um, and based on how they did midweek, uh, obviously, being dumped out of the Champions League as well. Um, obviously, just throw it over to you, Travis. Were you impressed by the way that they, they came back in the game? Uh, and there's probably a lot more positives to take out of the game in the end, obviously, with the return of a certain Erling Haaland as well. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us are just desperate for a title race of some kind. And every year it's Dortmund and sometimes it's Leipzig that kind of give us a little bit of hope. And then they inevitably, when the door is open, they run into the wall. <laughs> they can't walk through the door. And it looked like that was going to happen again this week when Wolfsburg scored the goal. What was it? Not even two minutes in. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, all right, here we go again. Um, but they were able to rally and they were able to rally you know, very, very well as the match went on. Um, Mm -hmm. What I was impressed was, like you said, after their midweek match and the knock on Dortmund has always been that whenever they have the opportunity to get the lead, they always, of the table, they seem to always find a way to to screw that up. And they were able to show some resilience this week against a Wolfsburg club that's been kind of tough to figure out. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were able to not just get into the match, but they were able to take the match. And when all was said and done, they were able to win the match pretty convincingly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one person that has, again, a lot of the pressure has probably come onto him because of Harlan not being around is Daniel Marlin, obviously the big money signing in order to replace Jaden Sancho. And it's been mm. a bit hit and miss for him. And he's obviously had spells where he's had to take the attack on a lot himself. I think Royce has played quite well as well um but obviously he got the goal and and you know everyone was buzzing um but do you think you know marlon may now suffer again the fact that harlan's come back he gets the the third goal and then all of a sudden the attention is back on harlan's like marlon could have been the match winner in the end there and you know he might now suffer from now not being the man so to speak do you, you, know, what, do you agree with that i often wonder how that works with um egos and mm. such it, it, with Holland being back, that definitely takes the pressure off pretty much any other player on that team on the offensive front. Um, and if that's the case, then it sounds like that could be good for the, the club as a whole. I, I think the bigger thing is them being knocked out of um, the Champions League. Sure. Now they now they can focus. And now they can just focus on the league and they don't have those distractions. Um, you, you add Holland back. I think to answer your question as a whole, that pressure – maybe is off a little bit. They'll have mm-hmm. fresher legs. And I think that little thing there can make a big difference as the season goes on. 
Sure, absolutely. We talk about pressure and again, no more so is there a pressure on the second club of Germany, so to speak, because of <laughs> the relentlessness of Bayern and things like that. And so um, a friend of our show, Josh from JJD TV, he's a big Dortmund fan and, and I caught his episode uh, the other day talking about how uh, about the manager or the head coach, Marco Rosa, and how much pressure is already on him. And they're talking about, um, you know, they, they've got to go for the title race and and try and measure that with a, a Pokal, um, another go at the Pokal, because, of course, they won it last year. And now the mm. fact that Bayern are out again. Um, do you think the head coach, Marco Rosa, has done a good job so far? Obviously, there was a lot of attention on him because of the way he left Gladbach last season. I'm not a huge fan fan of, okay. of his because of the, the ugly exit out of Gladbach last year. I think for an American sports fan, it's really difficult for us to understand how a coach or a manager can be coaching one team, but then five games, six games, seven games left into the season, they've already signed on to another team. And yep. in the case of Gladbach and Dortmund, almost a direct rival kind mm-hmm. of, and that yeah. was difficult. I, I think the thing that we talked about on our podcast is I don't want to say just anybody can coach Dortmund or Bayern. That's that's not the case. But yeah. Dortmund had a lousy season last season, right? And they went through two coaches last season, I think. And what happened? By the end of the year, they were still, what, fourth and qualified yeah. to the Champions League? So I, I think there's pressure on him. But at the same time, I, I think it's more pressure just not to fall out of the top four, sure. to be quite honest. I think as fans, we want there to be a title race. And so it was awesome when uh, that, that brief moment when uh, Bill felt and Byron were tied, Dorman had, you know, that, that little yeah, bit of time yeah. where they were in the lead yeah. of the table. Um, but I think the Leipzig, I have one of the Leipzig managers or upper management said at some point that their goal is to finish top four. Mm-hmm. And I think they took a lot of heat for it. Cause people were like, wait, how can you say that? Mm-hmm. I think they're saying the reality of it. I think on their perspective, that's what they want. I think from a fan perspective, we would love to see some changes at the top. But I think the pressure on Rosa is just to get this team in the top four. And I think if they can make Champions League again, I think everybody's going to be happy. Brilliant. Uh, And that's a little bit on Dortmund. And just switching over to a team that you said were were hard to figure out. And I think that's a very good way of uh, kind of summing up this this Wolfsburg team. Uh, Obviously, a failed stint um, with, with the former manager that they started with this season in the shape of uh, Van Bommel that obviously didn't work they've now got someone who myself and Mark our, our usual co-host not overly uh, impressed with in the shape of uh, Kofeld so they had a bit of a bounce always happens doesn't it with a new coach and now they've come crashing back down to earth what, what mm-hmm. do you think the goal is for Wolfsburg or or maybe the way that Kofeld can get them playing I think whereas Dortmund needs to finish in the top four I think if Wolfsburg finishes five through seven yeah, that seems to be their wheelhouse. That seems to be where they're happy. I'll be honest. I a lot of people rag on Augsburg and struggle to watch Augsburg. I struggle to watch Wolfsburg. Um, <laughs> they're just it's listen. They have been much more consistent and much more successful than my club has been over the last decade. But there's just something about Wolfsburg that doesn't spark the interest for me. It doesn't spark mm-hmm. much. Uh, excitement for me and i'm curious if wolfsburg's ownership itself isn't terribly excited about it mm-hmm. are they more worried about you know wolfsburg um uh, volkswagen you know sales and profits versus oh, how nice. the club is doing yeah 
I don't know. Listen, I wish I had the success that my club has had the success that they've had. Um, but I just can't get too excited about them. So I think if they're in the top half of the table, top seven, they're going to consider that a successful year and who can blame them? Sure. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, let's move on to the third best game of the weekend by, by how we saw it then. And, and speaking of your club, Travis, they're up next. My club as well. Let's be honest. So we get to speak uh, in a nice positive stint uh, after the Friday night win, obviously in mm. front of a, a boisterous home crowd. Um, so I managed to watch the entire second half and I caught the highlights of the first half. So I'm fairly up um, okay. in the know about the game now, fortunately. Um, f- first and foremost, really, really vital three points to stop the rot, really, wasn't it, Travis? Yeah, they hadn't won a match, and I think it was five or six games. Um, we had talked off the air about when we were going to meet up together, and mm. I think I told you that, well, it'll, it'll depend on how they do, so we may not talk again until February because it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit of a rough a rough path. No, yeah. they. the thing that was exciting is that they had come off those two dreadful performances versus Augsburg and Bielefeld, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even that they they – uh, lost those matches was how they played very defensive very passive and injuries played a big role in that as i'm sure we'll yeah, talk about in a bit but then they came out and they played dormant and they played aggressive they mm-hmm. played fun football that this team has been known for since moderato took over yeah and even though they lost late uh that was a lot of hope and a lot of the mm-hmm. sugar fan base was excited about that and if we could take that performance into the coming weeks, good things would start to happen. And so the question was, what's going to happen Friday? Which performance are we going to see? Are they going to play defensive like they did against Augsburg? Are they going to play aggressive like they did against Dortmund? And thankfully, it was the latter. And they came out on fire. They came out aggressive. Um, It was an awesome first 20, 30 minutes. And then the game kind of reverted back a little bit. Yeah. But the one thing this team has always shown – uh, pretty much all season long, other than like that one or two game stretch was fight, was uh, resi- resilience, that the match is never over. And they showed that again um, on Friday. And it was a tonic for what ails you. <laughs> three three points um, it, for this stage of the season is pretty huge. So for them to come off with a come from behind, well, sort of win, um, yeah. especially after the run they've had was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I completely agree. The first 25 to 30 minutes really set the tone um for for the side and you know a really a really tidy finish um by by Ito, a brilliant strike actually to to get it past Zender in goal um to, mm-hmm. to give Stuttgart the lead. Uh and then exactly like you said Travis, the game did kind of revert back to type and, and minds, you know, they've been a quality team this year, been flowing with the European places compared to how they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, came back into the game and a set piece, which, you know, been a bit of a, you know, a, a dodgy part of Stuttgart's game uh, in parts this season. And it was a bit of a simple flick on to yeah. put the game level at half time. So I guess that was a disappointment for yourself as well. Yeah, it's it's funny how certain themes and trends start to uh, reveal themselves as we're a third of the way through the season. And mm-hmm. one of them is that Stuttgart really struggles on free kicks. They just yeah. they. They can't seem to figure that out. Um, Stuart lost Gregor Cobell to Dortmund, and I think we're missing him. And mm, sure. he was just so steady, so solid uh, that Florian Mueller is a good goaler, uh, goalie, but 
there's a difference. There's a gap there. And I was talking to some of the one of the guys, Jeff, on our podcast, and we were talking about the two or three top goalies in the Bundesliga. Okay. And then there's a big gap. And mm-hmm. all those guys are pretty solid. But you saw with uh, Cologne this week, their starting goalie was out, and there wasn't that big of a drop off. And yeah, but yeah. I think when you're like you've got the Neuer, you've got the Cobell, uh, Sommers, when those guys are gone, I think you notice it. And I think Stuttgart is really noticing it. Um, I like <clears throat> one of the things the announcers were saying during the matches, even though it was only a two-one match, how exciting it was. Stuttgart was bringing the aggressiveness; they were yeah. pressing, and minds ever since uh, they had the coaching thing. Swenson, I believe it is, is mm-hmm. they've figured out what is their culture, what is the way they play. They play compact. They play um, really, really. Some people don't like it, but aggressive, um, um, tough, physical yeah. football, and yeah. they found a way that. <clears throat> that works for them where they're probably punching above their weight on the mm-hmm. table, to be quite honest. Um, so to be able to get a win against a club like that, that knows what they're doing was huge uh, for Stuttgart. Ito's goal was awesome. <laughs> the, the the thing that's, I think the key player for us and not to spend all the time on Stuttgart is uh, Marmouche came in mm. and he's a young Egyptian Canadian that we have on loan from Wolfsburg. And he's not, technical or clinical in the box, but he brings a lot of pace. He brings a lot of speed and you could see the difference he made simply by being out there that he had to be, they had to pay attention to him, even though he really on the statue didn't do that much, but that goes back to my, uh, cause the second goal by Sosa, which was just a brilliant, everybody in the world thought he was going to cross that because he's just got the most beautiful crosses. Um, and he ends up shooting, which shocked everybody. I'm curious if it shocked himself too. (laughs) Yeah, quite possibly. (laughs) But if you look at the goals that Stuttgart have scored, 70% of them have been scored by defensive players this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, in a nutshell, the problem with the club is that we have so many players hurt who were such an exciting part of the team last year yeah. that we don't score goals. And this is the mm-hmm. first match, I think, in seven or eight matches where we scored more than one. Yeah, Still yeah. defensive players. So the reason why this match was so important for Stuttgart is that we just need to tread water, I think. And we can yeah, tread yeah. water until the winter break. Um, and then we get some guys who are hurt back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw the difference. I, I don't know what your comments were, but when Silas came into that match, even though he only played for, I think, maybe five or seven minutes, yeah. there was an immediate change in the way they played up front. Mm-hmm. And you get him back. And then after the break, you get Kalajic back. All of a sudden, um, if we can tread water, I think we're in good shape for the second half. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think what you're referring to there is maybe the altering of expectations because of how well Stuttgart did, bouncing up from the Spite Bundesliga last season, the really comfortable. One of the main reasons why, you know, I kind of fell for the clubs, the way they attacked teams and, you know, they really went for the throat, typically of that 5-1 win, I think it was against Dortmund um, last season. Superb to watch and that is so hard to do when you quite rightly mentioned you are bereft of all your attacking players and the defenders have literally taken it on. And it's fortunate for Stuttgart that they have because they're well <laughs> above the expectation. Mavropanos, Kempf when he's been fit, Ito. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've all taken it on and they've done really well to keep Stuttgart even where they are now. So right. I completely agree in the fact that treading water for the club is exactly what they need to do right now and, and take a base, wait until the winter, 
bringing back Kalaitis. And I thought one person who was particularly impressive and might not get dimensions as much as, say, Endo does in the middle of the park was Mangala. I thought he was superb. I mean, right. And I think to your point is that if this club plays the attractive, exciting, sometimes risky football that they play, um, good things are going to happen. And if you have Sosa on the one wing, you have Silas on the other wing, you have Kalajic up top, um, that's that's a, that is a trio that it makes it difficult for other teams to to cover. And then you have Endo in the middle and Mangala in the middle. And I agree with you. Mangala is just we can't, many of the Stuttgart fans, we can't figure out who's the engine that makes the Stuttgart machine run. Is it Endo who is helping to yeah. cover for the back three because he's his defensive prowess? Or is it Mangala who's helping to start things because the team builds out of the back a lot? Yeah. And I think what's exciting for us as Stuttgart fans, and it, to be selfish for the Bundesliga as a whole, is as this team is getting healthier and as this team is getting more communication and is getting used to uh, where certain players are supposed to be at certain times, that exciting brand of football that people really like to watch is going to come back. And mm-hmm. I think that's good, not just for Stuttgart, but I think that's good for the league as a whole. Uh, I don't yeah. think very many people would be too excited statewide, to be honest, to watch a Stuttgart and Mainz match. <laughs> I just don't think there's a ton, yeah. but it's the only game. That was one of the things it was the only match on Friday. Um, yeah. And in the States, we had Thanksgiving on Thursday, and then we had all the football on Saturday. And so people were watching that match. Mm-hmm. And even though it was a 2-1 match, it was a fun, exciting uh, match. And I think that's great for the brand. That's great mm-hmm. for our club. Um, and I think it's just a win-win for everybody involved, and especially selfishly <laughs> for you and I. Because if they play that way, I think the second half of the season is going to be uh, a lot happier than the first half of the season. Brilliant. Good stuff. So before we move on then, uh, just quickly, two-part question. First and foremost, where where do you now think that Stuttgart will, will, will finish at, at the end of the season? And then adding on to that afterwards, do, do you want to just tell us quickly about how, how you ended up following uh, the team that you do? Yeah, uh, the, the first part of that is when we did our predictions, we thought they would finish somewhere between 10 to 14. And I still think that's that's in reach. Um, it was interesting. Sven Mislintat, who's the director of sport for Stuttgart, said early on, listen, our whole goal is not to get relegated. And as yeah. an American sports fan, that's hard to wrap your head around because our goal is to make the playoffs or to win championships. And if you don't do that, you get fired the next year. <laughs> and in yeah. Germany, I, maybe it's the same way in England. Uh, it, it's different. It's each club has kind of a different goal based on their culture, based on their size. And when he said that, it took me a second to wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. But I think he was right. And I think yeah. you get these guys back, and that's what he's been saying, healthy. I think we're lucky, to be honest. Uh, you have a team like uh, Goiterford, who is dead in the water, those poor guys. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got Augsburg, Bielefeld, uh, who are going to struggle most of the year. I think if this is if there's ever a year to struggle, this is the year because I think yeah, the yeah, bonus is rel- relatively weak at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So all that being said, I think if we can finish somewhere in that ten to fourteen range, which I oddly enough is is within reach. I mean, if you look at the table right now, there's not that big of a gap between what is it sixteen, even seventeen, but sixteen up to like almost eight. I think so. Mm-hmm. We get some guys back healthy. 
I like our chances to, here's what I think is going to happen. We're going to have that irrational talk like Stuttgart fans do every year where we're getting close to seventh place on the table and people start to talk, hey, the Europa Conference League, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, and then yeah. there'll be the other half of the fan base is like, everybody needs to shut up and just be happy <laughs> that we survive. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that uh, even if we don't get any points the rest of December, that we're going to hit the second half running. And I think yeah. we're going to do enough to uh, – to come back next year and, and play in the uh, Bundesliga. Fantastic stuff. And yeah, the second part of the question then, where, whereabouts did uh, this following of Stuttgart come from then? Oh, well, yeah, thank you. Uh, like many American fans of the Bundesliga, at some point we start to look at our heritage and we start to look at our ethnicity and where our family came from, you know, years and years and years ago. And uh, if you look at the Bundesliga fans in the States, that's pretty typical. So I'm not too unique in that regard. And so my family's heritage came from right near the Stuttgart Freiburg, uh, Karlsruhe area, mm-hmm. area. And back in 2014-15, when I started to jump on the Bundesliga bandwagon, mm-hmm. uh, you could only watch the first division, which unfortunately, that's the way it is now here. And yeah. so Stuttgart was, uh, they survived that year. And I was caught up in how they ended up winning the last match of the season 2-1, to one, I believe against Paderborn. And that's what kept them in the Bundesliga. And I couldn't understand why this team that had finished in 14th place, 15th place, I can't remember which, everybody was going bananas. The fans were going nuts. The coaches were going nuts. The the players were crying. I was like, you guys just finished like, you're the fourth worst team in Germany. I don't understand (laughs) what's going on. And unfortunately, you know, I've been part of the club as they've been relegated twice over the last six years. Mm -hmm. So now I get it. Um, So that was kind of the start of it. And then I was lucky enough with a friend of mine to go watch um, Stuttgart play Hamburg and uh, Cologne play Mainz, as it turned out, nice. uh, about 2017, 2018. And if you've never been to a Bundesliga match, it changes the way you look at sport. Mm-hmm. It really does. It's yep. the the fan involvement, the uh, the amount that people care, that players care. It's a cliche, but it truly is a community, a regional, and a, a cultural part of people's lives and that's that's really for some for some of us in the states and that's not what we really have here and so to be able to become a member of a club and to be able to have voting rights on on things and to be able to to be part of not just the sporting part of it but the culture is such a unique thing that it's once american fans get into it like i did all of a sudden your your room and your house and your basement is filled with jerseys and yeah, yeah, impressive background. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. So yeah, I've been a fan ever since I've been a, a member uh, for five or six years. Um, even my kids are starting to get upset when Stuttgart loses. So I, I take that as a, a, a good parenting moment. Of course. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thanks you. Well, thanks for talking a bit of Stuttgart with me there, Travis. Very much enjoyed that. From the Absolutely. Mainz perspective, very briefly, you know, just a, I'd say a bit of a hiccup for them. They're having a fine season under Bo Svensson, mm-hmm. as it is anyway. Uh, they'll bounce back, I'm sure of it. Uh, we'll concentrate yeah. more more on them uh, in another show. Right, moving on to our top two games. We're into second place now, and, and the goals keep on coming. Uh, over to the Rhine derby, which <laughs> did not disappoint. Fantastic game of football. Um and the, this game really exploded in the second half. It wasn't even bad in the first half, really. Um, so, yeah, obviously, the home side got themselves in front. Um, and then I think eventually Gladbach managed to um, haul them back, deservedly so, to, to 1-1. And then 
from from after that, it's all kind of carnage ensued, didn't it, really, Travis? But I think <laughs> overall, the the home side deserved the win. I. One of the things we we're going to talk about on our podcast is uh, different derbies and different rivalries and um, how big this rivalry is. And so going in the rivalry match um, in the United States, we just had rivalry week in college football. Michigan, Ohio State is a big college rivalry. And in Germany, they had, you know, I think Bayern and Dortmund are playing next week. And you could argue whether that's a rivalry or not. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but Gladbach and Clone, that is huge. And the co-host on our podcast, Jeff, is a huge Cologne fan, and we've been lucky enough to go to the city twice and watch a match there. What Steven Baumgart has done with that club this year is nothing short of amazing. Um, this club last year was on life support, and mm -hmm. they were winning that second playoff game down to Kiel, I believe it was, and yep. I had to talk Jeff off the ledge because – it did not look good. And mm -hmm. they came out just roaring in that match. But even then you said, okay, they've, they've just hired a manager who plays a very aggressive, very offensive, very unapologetically just go, go, go style of football. And you don't have the roster to do this. You don't, yeah. you have uh, Anderson who's super slow. You have a uh, Hector who's probably, you know, his best days of, of, Got yeah. behind him, and you've got Anthony Modest, who five years ago sure was amazing, but now what? And mm. so I predicted them to be relegated this year. Yeah, and they're still, you know, they're still in the conversation of those those bottom nine teams. But what he has done with that club and with that city is just simply amazing. And he's yeah. reinvented some of those players, or some of those players have reinvented themselves. Mm -hmm. And to be able to watch Anthony Modest, who could barely run last season press this season and yeah, yeah. score the goals that we've come to love from Anthony Modest is just amazing. Still going into this match, I didn't think they'd win <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. you know it's Gladbach. And when you see Gladbach, you just think, okay, they're going to be in the top four, mm -hmm. but they're not the Gladbach of, I think what we're used to. And plus well. it's a derby match and this isn't the cologne that we're used to. Uh, it was a deserved, it was, I don't know if you the first half to me, you were worried as a Cologne fan because they should have been up by more. Yep. They should have been up, uh, and they were just missing chances after chances after chances. And you're like, okay, this is going to be one of those matches where they lose two to one, yep. but they outshoot the other team, they outperform the other team, and they're going to walk off shaking their head. So going into halftime, I thought it was going to be the same old Cologne to where they look great, but the results don't end great. Yep. Earn it. And then the second half was just like you said, it was carnage, carnage, carnage. Um, and uh, it was just, I don't know if you saw the end of the match where Baumgart went to the the home uh, goal side yeah. and basically thanked the fans and the supporters for everything they did that match. That was, mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of a special moment. That was, yeah. you saw how much it meant to him, how much it meant to the fan base, how much it meant to the city. Uh, what just, what a great match for the Bundesliga. What a great match for Cologne. And uh, gave them, what are they, 18 points now? So they're looking pretty solid. They are. And, well, speaking of the game, 1,000% agree. They deserve to win the game. Chances galore. But in the end, they were helped by another erroneous display by Gladbach. So substitute Florian Neuhaus, 1-1. Got the ball in your own half. Bit of pressure or you've got back in the game. Maybe the best way isn't to play it straight across your own goal. 
Rahid Demarcus, who obviously <laughs> finishes really well. Uh, yeah. The third goal again, cross into the box, should have been dealt with better, and Duda manages to scramble it in. Um, so, as much as Colin deserved the win, Gladbach again shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, in, in my celebratory uh, comments about Cologne, you're absolutely right. Uh, Gladbach, uh, Cologne has a, they struggle to finish, but if you're going to help them out like Gladbach did, uh, mm-hmm. even they're going to finish. And they took advantages of two just really poor plays, especially the the one I think that led to the second goal was just basically a straight pass. Yeah. Ute, and he put it away. So I'm not going to pretend to say that I follow Gladbach too much. Other than to say that they'll probably end up in the bot in the top seven, just like they do most seasons. But I think they're still recovering a bit from the Rose, uh, Margot Rosa um, yeah, decision last year. And just the yeah. club looked like they were on a really good trajectory. And I don't know if they've recovered mm-hmm. from, from, from that point. Yeah. Very good point indeed. Yeah. I think there was a lot of this, you know, a lot of malcontent and upset people with regards to how the whole situation was handled, fans and, and players and, and probably the structure in, entirely alike. So I completely yeah. agree. That's a very good point. But at the end of the day, they'll probably still be up there. Uh, right, moving on to our game of the week. Uh, and it's hard to go anywhere else. The, the game itself <laughs> might not mean an awful lot uh, for the table, perhaps, but it'll mean a hell of a lot to the team that won the game. And ultimately, it's a fantastic display of of again advertising the Bundesliga nine goals in the in the game again just goals everywhere you look quality everywhere you look maybe not from a defensive point of view but, <laughs> uh, but anyway yes yeah, six three to Hoffenheim uh, hard to really talk our way through any kind of structure of the game it, I mean Furt came out of the blocks really well and again mm. with me and Mark talked about this loads they have this habit of taking the lead but. Unfortunately, their quality at the back really does let them down and uh, some good performances on the Hoffenheim side made the difference in the side of uh, the future of the club in in the, in the looks of uh, Jorginho Ruta, who was unplayable at times. Yeah, I, I made a note of this when I watched the match. And um, so this, to me, is sums up uh, Furt's season. And I was on, I had a season like this when Stuttgart was relegated the first time, I think 2016 mm. or 2017. This happened to us all the time. So Furt scores that goal, right? They're they're up and things are looking great. And if you watched that match, you could Furt is a they're a threatening team. Yeah, yeah. They don't play much defense, but going forward, they are frightening, I, I think. So they score the goal, they're up. And then Timothy Tillman has a chance to make it 2-0 Furt. And he hits one off the post. Mm-hmm. Bad luck, right? Hits it off the post. And almost a minute later, what happens? Hoffenheim heads down the pitch, scores the equalizer. And to me, that's that's first season in a nutshell, is that, Absolutely. like you said, they'll take the lead. They'll show some just super attractive football. Mm-hmm. Um, but then something bad luck will happen. And that's just a case of a combination of bad luck and, like you said, defensive uh, breakdowns. There's They remind me of Paderborn a little bit. I don't know if you remember Paderborn. I think it was in the, the league two or two years ago, I believe it was. Yeah. And they said, you know what? We play attacking aggressive football and that's the way we're going to play. And mm-hmm. that's just the way it's going to be. And they were relegated by March, I think. So I I respect what Furt is doing. I'll be honest. They're going to, they're going to 
beat somebody good this year. You, you just know it. it'll be like when Paderborn beat up on, I think they beat Dortmund at one point. Yeah. Um, they're going to get somebody because oh, they sure. put up goals. They don't give up. I mean, like you mm -hmm. said, they, they were down, uh, was it, they were down three, two, four, two, five, two, and then they came oh, back scored another goal. So they're a fun team to watch. Um, but boy, oh boy, you wonder, are they going to stick with what got them here? Or are they going to try to reevaluate? But it's almost getting to that point where it's too late. Yeah, and it's too late. I think. Yeah, agreed. Uh, when, when me and Mark did a bit of a preview on the two new newly promoted sides and side this season, we basically said Furts are almost a bit of a throwback to Stuttgart last season. The fact that they'll go at teams and they'll score goals but concede goals. Bolcom are very much a bit of a Bielefeld in the shape that Bolcom will, generally speaking, be in games and as a result might snatch a 1-0 or a 0-0. And, and that is basically what's happened. It's, it's quite interesting how mirrored it is because Bolcom now has started to pick up results by mm. in the fact that they stay in games. And lo and behold, they did it again this weekend, beating Freiburg 2-1. So you, do you think there are parallels in that regard? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I'm a little bit worried if I was a Cologne fan because um, Baumgart's going to play his style sure. come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked about this, that the gap between 17th, 16th, and 9th and 8th isn't that big. And Cologne had a great start, which is not what Furt had. Now, there's a talent disparity there for sure. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to when Union Berlin made it into the league, they played a very compact, very defensive style like Bochum and Bielefeld, and it worked. And the years that Stuttgart has been relegated, it hasn't been because they haven't scored goals. It's because they've let in too many goals. And it sounds very simplistic, but if you can eke out a number of 0-0-1-1 results, mm -hmm. you can put yourself in the conversation uh, to survive. And yeah. Furt just doesn't seem to be willing to do that. Um, they remind me, like I said, of Paderborn. It didn't, weren't willing to do that. Bochum, Union, uh, Bielefeld, they're willing to play ugly football. They're willing to play counterattack football. They're willing to play long ball football and just hope for the best. Um, and that, I think, has proven to survive. So that's why I respect Furt a lot for what they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. I respect it. And, and if I wasn't a Stuttgart fan and I wasn't in 15th place right now, <laughs> I'd be rooting for them a lot more. Yeah. But I just – I want them to have some results, but I just don't know watching them week after week after week how you can let in four goals, six goals, five goals, three goals. I think when Stuttgart came up last year and they played this very aggressive style, I think the difference was they had a couple players who were established Bundesliga defenders, at least yeah. Kempf was mm -hmm. established Bundesliga defender. And as it turned out, they had Grigor Kobel, who's one of the best goalies in the league. Mm -hmm. I don't, based on what I saw, I think Furt has either of those two things. And they they leave their defense on an island a lot. And that island is just being peppered and peppered. And the goalie had some nice saves, had some really had, had some nice saves. And what happens at the end of the day, he's going home, giving up six. Yeah. So it was a fun match to watch though. And the, the scary thing for me is Hoffenheim seems to be figuring things out. And very much so. yeah. if they start to figure things out, um, that's a club that can make, especially some of these bigger clubs um, struggling at the top can make some noise. Very much so. Well, they're, they're probably the biggest winners of the weekend because obviously they won big. A couple of the results have gone their way and now they're fifth. 
two points off uh, fourth place Freiburg, four points behind third place Leverkusen. And that's that's us saying that they've been inconsistent this season. So that is a scary prospect, really, for a lot of the league. Um, so, yeah, brilliant, brilliant weekend of Bundesliga football. Um, shame we can talk more on, on the other games because even Sunday's games were really, really good. But mm-hmm. we had to choose four, so that's what we went for. So that's the end of Over the Bars uh, featured four. So again, what what we'll do is we'll move on to our talking point of the week. And um, so we do this every week where we kind of choose a topic, whether it's topical in terms of a head coach being sacked or just something that we want to talk over with a guest. And and kind of this one relates perfectly to having Travis you on the show with regards to a North American uh, audience. Uh, And the talking point of this week is going to be what makes the Bundesliga so attractive to North American footballers? Um, so, obviously, this this kind of link to, to, to North America has sat with the Bundesliga for a, a good few years now. And it's, it's been a really good relationship. And I think certainly with the, with the use of social media, particularly now, we kind of see these, you know, these fan clubs coming up uh, over social media via, you know, via Twitter is often how I get in touch with a lot of, a lot of people mm-hmm. like yourself, Travis, and yeah. we see these podcasts coming up, which which you've already mentioned. Um, so, uh, do you want to just kind of talk about how how you've seen the growth in in America or or North America in, in the last few years? Yeah, I think if the question is how did um, you know why is Bundesliga so attractive to to American players? I think in, taking it from our, my club's perspective is that. Stuttgart is known for playing youth and mm. letting them develop, letting them make mistakes. And then once they prove themselves, uh, using Stuttgart as a stage to play on a higher level, whether that be the Premier League, whether that be somewhere else. Yeah. And as much as I pride my club on that philosophy, I don't think Stuttgart is unique in that philosophy. I think maybe we do it a little bit more than some other clubs, but you just mentioned Hoffenheim, who's got kids all over the place. Yeah. So I think the league as a whole, I think it's very well known, is willing to play kids and is willing to play youth and is willing to give them a leash. And by that, I mean, it's willing to let them play, um, but develop them at the same time. So the, mm-hmm. the number of players that come over, they're not just immediately thrown in and it's a sink or swim situation. I really yeah. think a lot of the clubs in the Bundesliga want to make sure there's more uh, swimming than sinking and, and to where they help develop these kids. So once they set foot on the pitch, they understand the language a little bit. They understand the culture a little bit. They understand the area a little bit yeah. and they understand how to play. And in Stuttgart's perspective, we have a, an Australian kid. He's actually from Sudan, uh, mm-hmm. Luke Wall, who we don't have any strikers. There was one point where we played a center back at striker because we were so hurt. <laughs> And so there was this idea, let's bring this kid up from the regional league and put him in there. And the team was like, no, he's not ready. He scored like seven goals in 10 matches or whatever it is at that league, but he's not ready yet. And I think they're willing to play youth, but they're not willing to throw kids out there. You see this in the NBA in the United States all the time where kids are just thrown out there. And if they don't make it, they're done. You never see them again. And I think the Bundesliga is a league that's willing to play kids and is willing to develop those kids. I think, the other thing is, just from my experiences, and I'd be interested in what your take on this is, is that of the European countries, England accepted, Germany is probably the most easy to adapt to and acclimate yourself to coming from the States. Um, the food is relatively similar. The, the yeah. language is 
not that difficult to to understand. The the culture is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a cultural part of this too that yeah. I can't really speak to on, on many levels, but I think it's a little bit easier for people to come from the States and transition to Germany than maybe it is Italy or France or or something like that. So you add mm-hmm. those two parts into it. I think that helps explain why you see the Pulisic's, the McKinney's, the Brooks. Um, and it's not just American players, but you see from all over the world because they know this is where you can get your start. Um, yeah. So I think those two things, I think the, the emphasis on youth, I think the cultural uh, comparisons, I think <laughs> the last thing, and I'm totally talking uh, crazy here, but in America, we are very direct. We like to go, go, go. You know, it's yep. the run and shoot in football, the fast break in basketball. It's just, yeah, we, yeah. Don't have a lot, we don't have a lot of time for patience around here. It's, you know, we don't, we don't do vacations very well. We don't do, you know, uh, family leave very well. We're always on the clock. <laughs> the Bundesliga plays a pretty aggressive style of football that I think yeah. culturally fits what a lot of Americans are like. Um, this is a total stereotype, could be totally wrong on this, but I think that adds to it a little bit to where mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that aggressive style of play. Um, I've watched a number of League One and League Two matches in England, and I, my mm-hmm. brother's a big uh, Serie, a, Serie A fan in Italy, and it's just, that's a lot of stop-start um, mm-hmm. yeah. type of play that I don't think fits the American style. Sure. So I think you add all, you add all those things up. That would be kind of my look, uh, my take on why the Bundesliga has become so attractive to uh, to yeah. people from the United States. That's really interesting. And a, a couple of things I take from that is like, I agree in that there's like a duty of care by by clubs. In fact, that they, they look after these players and they do mould them and the players understand the culture. And often they come away thinking they're basically, they are from that area. They've been mm-hmm. so well into integrated into the club. So I agree that the clubs, you know, they do such a fantastic job of of looking after them. And you kind of guess my next question, the fact that I think does the basically does the Bundesliga way of playing football, aggressive, fast play suit these American players? And, and lo and behold, yeah, it seems that like you're completely agreeing in that fact. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned um, these players kind of use it as a, as a platform to then go on to... to bigger teams which is you know in a, in a inverted commas sort of comment because yeah the Bundesliga in my opinion is is in the top two European leagues and in, in comfortably for me uh in terms of quality and, and entertainment um but yeah so obviously you do have players like Weston McKenney going on to Juve Pulisic going on to uh, on to Chelsea and other players yeah. getting their kind of big moves um mm-hmm. from the past as well um it was an interesting kind of look back to that um they're kind of looking at it from another side of things and the the influence maybe from the side of the pitch now that we see Pellegrini Matarazzo obviously got his education in, in the US and we've got Jesse Marsh for now uh, with Larby Leipzig and, and David Wagner who's obviously uh, got ties as well. So do you think, again, it's a, it's a similar sort of theme? They, they all like to play this kind of fast, aggressive sort of, uh, sort of game when it comes to, uh, well... It's, it's, a, it's a great question because um, I, I don't think anybody in the States cares about Jesse Marsh or Pellegrino Matarazzo. Yeah. They just don't. Um, in the United States, there are pockets of 
big Bundesliga fan bases. Cincinnati, Ohio is one. Milwaukee, Wisconsin is one. Chicago, Illinois is another. But it's the national team here that really uh, moves the needle. And the national team has not been very good for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And it's ironic because the, the American players that play very well in the Bundesliga, this fast, aggressive, up-tempo, that doesn't seem to translate in the States. Yeah. And if you look at the best American teams over the last 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. they've always been the Billefelds, the Bochums, these teams that are physically tough, that play long ball, that mm-hmm. are good on, on free kicks and things like that. Um, they lack athleticism, but they're smart, stuff like that. And for whatever reason, trying to transition a more European style of play into the States has had disastrous <laughs> results. Um, and I don't, that's a great question that you ask because I don't know why that is. And mm-hmm. people here have tried to answer that question for decades. And it's just, there's, there was an old comment that the United States should always be good enough to make it into out of the group stage at the world cup. They should yeah. always be that good. Mm-hmm but they're not talented enough to make it into the final four. They're just, that's not what they are. And, but by playing that kind of very tough defensive long ball style of football, they can make some noise because in international football, you can get away with that. Um, For whatever reason, I wish, I wish I had a better answer for you here. I don't know why. And a lot of us don't know why the Pulisics and the McKinney's who are playing at the, the highest level, you know, overseas, they come here and we lose to Trinidad and Tobago, a Caribbean island. And yeah. you just, you can't wrap your head around it. So I don't know if it's something like you're implying that maybe we should just take one of those coaches and say, you're in charge here and go sure. play that style. Um, or if it's a cultural thing to where that's just not the way we can play on an international stage. And hmm. like I said, we could talk about this for hours. I don't know <laughs> what the answer is. Uh, yeah. But I do know the answer to this question is that there's probably two people in America right now who know who Pellegrino Matarazzo and Jesse Marsh are, and they're on this podcast right now. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's just it's just the way it is. Unless one of those guys is coaching the national team, they're not going to get much much news around here. Good stuff. Well, I think that nicely rounds things up uh, for for this evening. So um, yeah, brilliant show. We uh, probably run over a little bit, but there's been so much to talk about. Um, really interesting. To chat to you um this evening travis really appreciate you coming on the show um so Great. let's just close close up this evening uh by quickly saying uh obviously if you like what you see please go over to over the bar fb and check us out on twitter and the website of course is www.otbfootball.net make sure you check that out and of course the youtube channel which hopefully you're watching right now uh just go <laughs> into over the bar uh, and search that um obviously you know, we're bringing us uh, yourselves lots and lots of comment every single um, week. So, you know, make sure you click uh, the red button and subscribe to the channel. Click the bell icon so you don't miss any of these brilliant episodes that we're, that we're coming out with. So all there is to say is, again, thank you very much, Travis. Um, brilliant debut on the show. Um, and let's, uh, let's hope that we can have you back later on either this season to talk about a brilliant second half of the season for Stuttgart or maybe even into next season. Our Champions League finish. Let's do it, Rory. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. I love the ambition. Top man, Travis. <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, thanks all for watching. Check you next time. Thanks again. Cheers.